to John chapter 17, and we're, we're going to read verses, uh, read down verses 11 down through um, 21. John chapter 17, verses 11 and through 21. Once you find that you would stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. If you can, if you can't stand, it's okay. I know, I know some, some of us are, are not young in years, and others, others of us are limited legs. Um, so, but we'll, John chapter 17, starting at verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil." They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Thank you. You may be seated. We have been going through this chapter uh, now for, this will be the third message uh, on Christ, on the Lord's actual prayer. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's been a blessing for me uh, to study this out. Uh, last week we talked about uh, the first five verses, which is Jesus praying unto the Father, asking the Father to, to glorify him, Himself, the Son, so that He could then glorify God. We talked about how it was a, it was a deserved glory. Uh, and, and my goodness, Jesus deserves our praise. Amen. The Bible says in Colossians that, that above all else, He is to be preeminent uh, within the church. And we can't forget that. Uh, Christ uh, is our Redeemer. Without Christ, uh, there would be no church. He is our foundation. Without Christ, there would be no church. Uh, he is our Savior. Without Christ, there would be no Christians. And uh, without Christians, there would be no church. <laughs> so so I, I am grateful that uh, this isn't about some religion. It isn't about a philosophy. It isn't about an ideology. Uh, it's about Jesus Christ. And uh, our, our everything that we have and everything that we are is based upon him. And I... And, and, just as Jesus, Jesus deserves that glory, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful that we can glorify him. Uh, in the next, uh, this morning, we talked about uh, who Jesus was, was then praying for. And we talked about, his, he was talking about the, those who he manifested his name to. Uh, he, he, he manifested or he made known what was unknown. They knew his name, but they didn't know the character of God. Uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament are, are completely different. Uh, the one is much about the law, and the other is much about grace and truth. And the Bible says that Jesus came and brought grace and truth. And I am grateful for that, uh, that we have the, the mercy and the long-suffering and the goodness of God. And that doesn't say that there is not holiness and judgment as well, uh, but, uh, but God 
but God quantifies or God uh, balances that with the, the love of God. And that's how, how he can make us his children, how he can reconcile us back to himself. Um, even, as, even as sinners, uh, he, he uh, died for us. And we, we thank God and praise him for that. So we talked about uh, those disciples, those apostles that he, that he was praying for. And, and we went down through and these, these next, uh, those six verses there, four verses, uh, down to verse 10. And, and then we talked about how, in the end, that they were to glorify, according to the end of verse 10, that they glorified Jesus, who in turn glorifies the Father. And, and what is, how, how is it that we glorify him? Well, the same way Jesus glorified the Father. He bore the attributes of the, attributes of the Father. Uh, they, saw, they saw God's love. They saw God's goodness. They saw, they saw those things. And we can also bear those attributes of God. And it's a good question we ask ourselves, are we glorifying God in the way that we act, uh, in the way that we talk, uh, in everything? In fact, if we can't glorify God in it, we shouldn't do it. Um, I, it's, uh, it's, uh, that's always a good, uh, a good uh, way of whether or not whether we should be doing something or be somewhere. Can I glorify God in this place, or can I glorify God uh, in doing what I'm doing? Because if not, um, well, the Bible says we're in all things, we're to glorify God so, and do it for his glory. So we need to be very careful of that. Now getting to this afternoon, uh, we talked about who he's praying for. He's praying for his disciples, his followers. And there were many disciples, according to John 6, that, that, that followed him for a while, right up until those truths got really hard and they walked away. Uh, but they saw the power of God. They saw the truth of God through the word of God. And uh, they, those disciples, and, and there were others, but they, they followed him. And they, 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 saw, they saw that he was from the Father. Uh, they saw that he was the Christ. Uh, today, we're going, or this afternoon, we're going to look at what he was praying for. Uh, notice, uh, notice, go back to verse uh, 13. It says in, in verse, chapter 17, verse 13, it says, And now come I to thee, that these things I speak in the world, that they, those disciples, might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons he was praying for these things is that as these things that he's about to pray for uh, are found in the lives of his disciples, uh, that his joy would be in them. And John tells us how we can find uh, uh, God's joy in us, John 15, and it says, if we keep his commandments, uh, if we do, if we abide by his words. And so, so uh, it's, uh, we, we as children of God should desire to have a fullness or a completeness of of Christ's joy in our lives. Well, how do we have that? Well, the first thing that he prays for is he prays for the security of, the, of, those, of those disciples. He does that in, in uh, starting in verse 11. He says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. He says, keep them. It's this idea of, of guarding or protecting them. He says, he says I, I've been in the world. They, uh, I have been keeping them while I was in the world, but I'm not going to be here anymore. Uh, uh, he says, Father, keep them in your, in your own name. He says, he says it, I, I'm asking you, Father, to protect these that you've given to me. And, and so, so uh, he's asking for their protection. Well, we know that we're, we're not kept by our own good works. I wasn't saved by my own good works. I'm certainly not kept by my own good works. Uh, he's talking about eternal security. Uh, hey, look with me in just a couple of verses. First uh, John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. Verse 11 through 13 says this, And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, 
and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I am grateful that I can have full knowledge, complete knowledge, that I have eternal life. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to hope so. I don't have to work at it until I get to heaven to, and wait and find out the final, the final end. I can know that I have eternal life. It's uh, God has written those things. It's, it's something that's said and done. When he said it is finished, he finished that work. He sat down on the right hand of the throne. We're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did. We're not saved by our faith plus. And, and many, many people, they've got to be careful about that because they, they'll try to add things to salvation. And by adding something to faith in Christ, uh, what you're doing is you're trusting in something besides that. And I don't want to trust anything else besides faith in Christ because it's only by faith uh, that we're saved. And not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. It's not because we deserved it. It's not because we were good enough for it. Uh, it's by faith and faith alone. John chapter 10, verse 28 and 30. John chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. It says, when they had so said, I'm in the wrong chapter. This works better. This <laughs> says, and I give unto them eternal life. Oh, so I'll start at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Uh, uh, he's, uh, here he's talking about how the, he, they cannot be taken away from him. Uh, uh, listen, uh, verse, uh, I believe it's verse uh, 12 talks about Judas. Uh, uh, Judas was one that was lost, but Judas was never one of his. Uh, all throughout, the, he never he was never one that believed. Uh, he never had faith. He saw, he heard, he was a part of all of those things, but in the end, it wasn't that he lost his salvation, it was that he was never saved. He was always the thief, he was always the liar, he was always the, the chameleon who fit in with everybody else, and listen, that's a danger in many churches where there are people that are just like that, that we can't, that you and I can't see, but God sees their hearts, and they'll come in day when they'll say, but Lord, I, I did this in your name, and I did this in your name, and I did this in your name, and he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. It's not so much whether we could say, I know who Christ is, uh, it's important that God, that he knows us. Uh, uh, so here the picture is, 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 is they can't be taken away from me, and my father is greater than me, and they can't be plucked out of his hand. So we are in Christ, amen? Uh, imagine that we are clasped in his hands, and, and it's hard to peel somebody's fingers open, but but somebody greater and bigger than he has his hand over top of that and clasped around that. That's God the Father. And we are protected in that. In that, The Bible says we're sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. We cannot be removed from the security of the Father. Uh, we are kept by him. We are eternally secure. I, I don't know about you, but I like to know that I can't lose something. I can lose my keys, I can lose my wallet, I've lost my debit card, I've lost all kinds of things. But not, nobody has ever taken away my salvation. And they can't take away the, the hope that I have. Uh, you, man, you can, you can, you can give me a, make me have a bad day, but you can't destroy my eternal life. That's the, that's, the, that's the relationship that I have with God the Father. It cannot be done away with. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 says this, 
For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I, which I have committed unto him against that day. I know, I am persuaded that he is able to keep me. I don't need to keep myself. I don't need to trust that some preacher can keep me or some religion can keep me. Uh, he keeps me. I am persuaded. I, I've come to the understanding and knowledge that it isn't me, that it's him. And listen, if, if there's nothing else, that will, should give you joy as a child of God. Uh, because they can take your house and they can... Uh, we live in a country where it's not that big of a deal. Honestly, we are, we, are, we are as pampered as pampered gets in Christianity. There are countries where you, will, you can lose your home, you can lose your family. Uh, your, your parents will say that you're dead to them. You'll be persecuted. You'll be the lowest caste in society. Uh, I've been reading that book that, that, uh, that come in the mail. If you got one coming, you've got, you got a great book coming to you. Uh, I've been reading it with our kids, and, and they're, they're hearing the stories of, of what some of these, uh, of these national pastors have gone through in their own countries, and how uh, uh, they are, the, they have. We we don't have caste systems around here. Uh, they have caste systems, and they are the lowest caste, meaning uh, they are the lowest class of people. They can't ever get above that. They can only work. They're only allowed to work certain jobs, and and they're, they're looked down upon. And and it's it makes it difficult for a pastor, uh, especially. Uh, I'm trying to remember whose it was. I believe it was it was uh, Kumar. Was was uh, brother. Uh, Brother Kumar, the one, we, one of the ones we support, talked about how uh, they're, they're praying for a church building because right now they're meeting in 25 different homes. And because of the caste system, uh, they're not able all to meet. Not everybody's allowed to go into certain homes. But the Bible says in Christ we're all the same. So it's because of the culture, it's just they're struggling. So they're praying for a church where they can all meet together on neutral ground as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and getting over those things. But I am so great. Understand, we're, we're blessed and we're not persecuted. But even if we were and we lost everything on this life, we can rejoice in the fact that we still have our salvation and we still have eternal life. We still have a, a relationship with God. It cannot be taken away. Notice also, uh, it talks about the, a bit about unity here in this verse there. Go back to John chapter 17. It says, I think it's verse 11. And it, says, it says verse 10, And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. There we go. Uh, uh, that, that he says, keep them. Why? That they may be as one. Uh, there is a, there's a, a, an emphasis on the singular of heart and singular of mind, uh, that we re remember that we are a body of Christ, that, that we're not separated out, that we're not just individuals. Listen, you, when you become a child of God, you become adopted into a family. Uh, and he, he says, he says, just like you and I, Father, are one, uh, they are one. And it's a, uh, the, the picture of the Trinity is a beautiful picture of the unity that should take place within the church. Uh, we are not separate people. We are not different castes or different classes. Uh, uh, we may live in different areas and different homes, and uh, we may dress differently, we may make different, drive different kinds of cars, but we're all united through Jesus Christ in one person or in one family. And so he, he, he's praying there in, for their for their security, but in that he reminds and, and talks about the unity uh, that, that is there. And we, my goodness, there's nothing more that God wants than the unity within the church. Because without unity, we can't work together to strive together to do the one thing God has called us to that we're going to get to here in a minute. 
but we need to be unified. So he prays for their security. Secondly, he prays for their satisfaction in Christ. Look at verse 13. And now come I to thee, that these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. We need to be able to find a satisfaction uh, in, in Jesus Christ. We sang that, surf, that song a little bit ago. Uh, uh, what was the second song we sang, Elijah? Oh, you're not, life's not up there anymore. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delights. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. We're talking about this, our eyes are no longer earthly bound. Our, our eyes are now heavenly bound, and we're, we're, we're walking on that upward way. We're new heights I'm, I, I, I'm claiming every day. We're trying to grow closer and closer to Christ. We're trying to, to not be satisfied with the things of this earth, because my goodness, the world wants you to be satisfied with the things of this earth. They want you to be gratified and, and, and happy with the things that you can have here. Uh, but they'll leave you empty. They'll leave you broke. They'll, they'll leave you uh, broken and, and without anything. But we need to be satisfied in Jesus Christ. Jesus defines what he, what he brings, what brings him delight there in John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. And that's, that, us, that is us abiding. And we can turn back there and look at it, but that's us abiding in his word. Verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. God has a desire that we would abide in him and abide in his word. Uh, we can't be satisfied with the things of this world, but we certainly should be satisfied uh, with the bread, uh, of, uh, the bread of life that God has given to us. Uh, I believe it was Job that said that he that he uh, hungers after the word the, the word of God more than his necessary food. David said he, he pants after uh, God like the like a like a deer or a heart panteth after water. Do we have a hunger? Are we are we satisfied with the word of God and what and the work of God in our lives, or or is there something more that we want that the earth world has to offer? And this is the problem that m many Christians face: is this 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 thing that that. Uh, this worldliness, and we'll get to it in a minute, uh, because God calls us, or God is praying for our separation from the world. But, but, but we we become satisfied with the things that we can have here. We should be satisfied with those things. They should always leave us hungry, because the truth is, have you ever eaten cotton candy? Now, there's a lot of sugar in cotton candy, so there's a lot of calories in cotton candy. But if you've eaten cotton candy and been full when you're done, there's something wrong with you. Because you may start out with this this thing. I, I saw it was, a, it was an experiment. They took this uh, this cotton candy and they took a little a little cup, and they they had tons. It was a huge thing of cotton candy, and they just kept putting it in the cup and putting it in the cup and putting it in the cup. And it was just dissolving because all this is sugar. It's sugar that's just, I don't know how they do it. What the science behind it with the molecules become strings and 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 uh, but and so that's why you put it in your mouth and it just dissolves to nothing. Uh, you can you can't take a bite of cotton candy. It's just it's like air, right? So, but they take all this and they put it in the water, and there's nothing left. And that's what the world has to offer you. It'll rot your teeth. It'll rot your life. It'll destroy you. And in the end, you're left with. Nothing. Empty hands, sticky hands, filthy hands. You need to take a bath because of the stuff's all over your face. And it, but the word of God should satisfy our souls. 
The presence of God should be, should be what we hunger after. Start your morning that way, getting into the Word of God and, and spending time praying unto God, uh, meeting with Him. And, and man, my goodness, there's nothing greater, more important in the life of a Christian than that time right there. And that is, we're, we're talking basic principles of, of Christian living, reading your Bible and praying. And not just, and listen, I don't mean doing it as a, as a rote or a, a, just because you're supposed to. I mean because you're truly hungry to meet with God. You truly have a desire uh, to, to hear what he has to, to say and what, and what, what he can do in you. But don't be satisfied with the things of this world. Find your satisfaction in him. Our desire should be that his joy is fill, fulfilled in us. I want God to be happy with me. And he tells us how we can be by, by living out his word in our life. So he's praying for our security. He's praying for our satisfaction in him. Look with me, uh, uh, look, look with me uh, in, in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we've quoted this, this verse the last couple of weeks, but one of the, ways, one of the reasons we, we can know that, that we are fulfilling the, the, the joy of the Lord is by allowing control to the Spirit. It's because we become fruitful. In fact, uh, we're told back in John chapter 15, you don't, don't turn there, but, but the, his desire is that we, would, uh, that we would bear fruit, that we would bear much fruit, and part of that fruit is, is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 uh, says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. Uh, maybe at some point here in the near future we'll do a study of those, break those down a little bit uh, to, 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 have, to have us give, to have a better understanding. We've done it in the past, but it's been a few years. But those are the things, and, and not uh, you can't pick and choose. It's a, the, the fruit, having, bearing the fruit of the Spirit is that the Spirit comes forth out of you it, it, as love or joy or peace or long-suffering. It's, it's not something that we get to pick and choose which ones we want to be. It's not one or the other. It's not one and this. It's all or nothing. So I can pretend to be joyful. I can pretend to have love. I can plaster a smile on my face. We can fake some of it, but... We're not talking about faking it. We're talking about the Word of God and the Spirit of God being able to work in us. And that brings joy to the Father. He desires that we would, that we would have fruit, and fruit would remain. So we see here in, Christ, in Christ's prayer, he's praying for our security, and he's praying for our satisfaction. Next, next, third, he's praying for our separation. Look back at John chapter 17. We're going to start reading verse 14. John 17 and 14 says, I have given them thy word, and the word hath, sorry, the world hath, hate, hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Jesus here identifies those who he's praying for, his disciples, his followers, uh, particularly the, the, 12, the 11 apostles, as, a, as not being of the world. They're in it, but they're not from it. And he says, they're not of the world, just like I'm not of the world. There's a difference between us and the world. And he says, I'm praying for them because they're in the world. And, and Father, he, was, I'd like, he didn't say... Just please take them out, uh, as in carry them away or, or sail away to safety. Uh, uh, but, but his desire is that he would keep them from, notice not from evil, but from the evil. That's specific. 
He's not saying keep them from bad things happening to them. Because listen, bad things happen to everybody. Uh, People get sick. Uh, Viruses travel around and they don't care what religion you are or if you're a believer in Jesus or not. You get sick. That doesn't mean God can't miraculously protect you in certain situations if that's God's will. But God never promises us that on this earth. What he does promises, promises, promises us is that he'll protect us. That he'll give us strength and endurance and grace as we need it. He calls for separation from the world. The, wor- the word world here is used 18 times just in this chapter. 18 times. Well, what is the world? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, For I know nothing by myself, yet, yet I am not hereby justified. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Sorry. I even wrote it down right. I just read it wrong. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. says this, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Uh, Here it's identifying the God of this world. And it isn't somebody who pleases the Lord. The God of this world is Satan, also also known as Lucifer, or the wicked one. Uh, uh, The one who fell from heaven, the one who, because of his pride, said, I will be like the Most High. Uh, This is the God of this world. He's been cast down to the earth. And we've been told to be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary... The devil uh, is seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may devour. Uh, uh, but we're being, he's the God of the world that we are being told uh, to be separate from. First John chapter five verse nineteen. First John chapter five. Nineteen says this. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Well, what is the world? The world is anything that, it is, it is that mindset, it is that heart, it is, the, it is everything that rebels against God. And let, let me tell you, our, the culture, uh, we're not talking about the people. Jesus died for the people. We have been sent to be an ambassador to the people uh, and a witness to the people. We're not talking about them. They live, though, with a mindset. They, we all live within a culture uh, that it goes against God. Uh, uh, and they've gotten farther and farther and farther and farther from God every single day that we live. Uh, you can watch the world. Listen, it wasn't that many years ago. I'm, I'm not that old. I'm only 42. But I would never have been able to imagine when I was my son's age where the world would be today, where we're, where we're arguing about whether or not there are more than uh, men and women and other, multiple other genders and re- all that ridiculousness. Can I tell you, it's just foolishness? But, but that's where we're at now. They say, well, that's the world, though. Unfortunately, the world creeps into the church and into the Christian. We're told to be of the world, or in the world, but not of the world. Uh, Jesus identifies these disciples and said that they're not of the world, just like I am not of the world. There's, there's supposed to be a difference. So he's, he's praying unto the Father for, for their separation. Lord, keep them from the evil, uh, that evil one, the one who would, who would uh, root, uh, change their hearts and change their minds and, and draw them back to that wickedness and that filthiness and the, uh, the, the not, uh, 
the the the, the, the just the, the mindset, the human human mindset that would reject God and His Word to do whatever we want to do and what we feel is right, because what the world feels is right today, they'll make fun of it tomorrow. And say, you're just not, that's just not far enough left. It's, it's, it's like this, this slippery slope that once they've started, they, they can't seem to stop. And even now there are people that are saying, this is ridiculous. People that aren't Christians, but they're on that slope and they can't say anything because they, they, they become canceled by the culture. They, they become, uh, they could lose their jobs or, or those things. They listen, that's the culture. That's the world that we live in, the culture. But that's not supposed to be us. Jesus said in John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Those are the things of this world because our flesh is against God. He also says that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says in Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world, not to the people, but to the, the cultural mindset and the, uh, of, of the, the rebellious is against God and God's word. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right, we're, we're to be changed into uh, from. Listen, we were. That's where we were. We walked in that. We lived in that. That's not supposed to be us anymore. God saved us out of it. We should be separate from the world. That doesn't mean we we are all high and mighty and proud and say, "Aha, I'm better than you are." No, no. We understand that's that's where we would be without Christ. You can't look at any sinner and say, "I'm better than you." All you can say is, "You need Jesus just like I did." Because without Christ, you could be in their boat or worse. But we live in a day and age, even within the church, that where we're trying to attract the world uh, to, to, to build up numbers. And I'm sorry, but that is wrong. Absolutely wrong. The, uh, I actually heard a, a pastor, pastor say this. Uh, they're talking about attractional marketing and what we can do to, to attract the church in so that we can then win them uh, to Christ. That is absolutely wrong. Jesus never changed his message for the world. He went to the world and preached it, and those that got saved got saved, and he trained them. Uh, he, uh, he, he, they, they followed him. He didn't follow them. Remember the, the, the young man who came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you, and Jesus knew his heart. And he says, no, loving him, he said, let's go home and sell all your gut stuff and then come back and follow me. Now, he loved him. He presented him the truth. Now, listen, selling his stuff wouldn't have, have been uh, what, what earned him salvation. What, what, what he was doing was presenting him with the one thing Jesus knew he couldn't give up. And it says he walked away sorrowful. The next verse says Jesus followed him and said, no, no, I'm just kidding. It doesn't. We can get so caught up in numbers and trying to build up our church and doing th changing things to, to draw people in. Listen, the truth of the gospel is to draw people in. We don't need a, we don't need a fancy band and we don't need a, a, the latest of the song. Listen, what we need is Christ. And that's the truth is that's what they need. Because if they come in for consumerism and they come in for all those things that we can offer them, when we stop offering it, they leave. Remember when Jesus said, they began to talk about that he was the bread of life in John chapter 6? And they said, this is a hard saying. And even his disciples, many of his disciples walked away and followed no more with him. Why? Because, well, they weren't being fed anymore. I mean, they weren't being fed truth. They weren't being fed the, 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 the loaves and the fishes. They weren't seeing the miracles. They, that, that's what they wanted. I would rather have a church of 15 of people that love God, sold out, telling everybody about Christ, 
than a thousand. And everybody would sit there. Even if our even if our offerings would buy us a new building, I, I could care less. I'd rather have a few than have have many. I actually saw a preacher was talking about about this this specific thing about Jesus. I don't remember the, the pastor's name, but he took a little bit of of uh, salt and he sprinkled it in the palm of his hand. And he said Jesus could have had so many people, but he focused on those twelve. Even out of the twelve, one was bad. Problem is, most of the time now, and he took the salt shaker, took the lid off, and he poured the salt shaker in his hand. This is what the pastors and churches want now. They want a bunch of worthless salt that's not good to be tread upon because there are no works and there's no there's no real saltiness to them anymore because it looks good when they should be focusing on those twelve. Don't allow the world. Don't don't get caught up in the world. Uh, we're to be we're to be separated uh, from it. James chapter four verse four says, asks us if, if do we not know that to, to be a friend of the world? We don't have to turn there. Is to be an enmity or an enemy of God. Do we want to be at war with God? No. I, do I want him to resist me? No. Do I, I wouldn't. I, we need God's help. The whole purpose of, of of walking in the Christian life is to know God. So why would I want to be an enemy of His? But we have to choose. And Jesus is praying for these disciples who are going to be in the world, and not just for those only. Can I tell you, he prays now, and he intercedes for us, and he's praying for us because we're in the same world, that, that, uh, and it's not a worse world. Well, I, wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't say it's a worse world as far as the persecution. I would say it's worse in this, in this fact because we're not persecuted, because there is no test uh, to, 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 to filter out those that, that, that are of weak faith or of no faith. Uh, I would say it's worse for us because we're wealthy and rich, and we think we're, we're doing well and, and everything's going great when God looks at us and says, you need to purchase uh, the some, some fruit you need to purchase uh, some 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 gems uh, some 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 righteous works uh, we need to, we need to go to God and realize we're naked and empty and, and we need his help I believe that's the place of the church today in America we're not as good as we think we are he calls for us to to be separated the most miserable Christians are those that love the world they're like fish trapped in a net. They're alive, but they're bound, and they're completely unproductive. I watched a, a video last night of this. I couldn't do it. I don't have the hands to do it. But it was, there was a man casting a net into a pond, and the net was almost as big as the pond. It was, it was kind, of, kind of funny. And I was thinking he was going to catch some big fish. That's why I watched the video. And he, he took this net and somewhere over in India, and he cast it out. It was almost the size of this, this what did I say pond. It was more like a large puddle. Uh, but it, like, it almost covered the whole thing. And he, he drew it in and got it out. And, and you see this fish, he did all that work. For fish are like this big, and there's only like 25. Of, there's like that's, that wouldn't make a meal for one person. But as I read this verse and thinking about that, those fish they were stuck in the net trying to get away. They they had no hope. They, there's nothing they could do. That's what it's like being a child of God who, who who's uh, loving the world. We've, just like Paul said uh, that uh, a good soldier doesn't uh, re-entangle himself. Uh, we, we, we have been freed from all those things and we're re-entangling ourselves in the things of this world so that, that our, our hearts and our minds aren't on, on, on the things above, but they're on the things of this world and uh, we can't re- truly be productive for, for, for Christ. 
He prays for a separation. We're almost done. We've got two more. He prays for a sanctification. I say prays. He's, he's prayed and is praying. In John chapter 17, verse 17, he says this, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Verse 19, he says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. The word sanctify means two different things. One is to be, to set, to be set apart for a specific purpose. Right? Jesus was set apart. He didn't have to be cleansed. He was set apart for the purpose that we could be sanctified. And listen there, and we as children of God should be set apart for the use of, of God. But when he talks about being sanctified by the truth, he's not talking about us being set apart by the truth. He's talking about us being cleansed. Uh, the other picture of sanctification is the picture of the priest, a uh, high priest on the Day of Atonement, before he could ever enter into the, uh, into the holiest of holies, before he, ever, uh, before he ever made a sacrifice for the people, he was first instructed to go and to take off his clothes and to wash himself. This idea of, of sanctifying or cleansing himself uh, to be able to be used uh, in, in that thing. Listen, uh, we, here he says we are to be sanctified by the truth. We are to be cleansed by the truth. Uh, look with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10.10. 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. It says this in verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We are once and for all sanctified. This is the, uh, this is the, 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 the washing or the cleansing of, of our sins by blood uh, by Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be done on a daily basis. Uh, this is where we get to, and this is where we get to the doctrine here uh, between justification and sanctification. And here we're sanctified, we're cleansed once. But there is also the act of daily sanctification or daily cleansing. Uh, uh, Jesus, when he washed uh, Peter's feet, what did Peter say? No, if you're going to wash my feet, wash me everywhere, right? And he says, no, you don't need to wash yourself everywhere. You're already clean. Right? Uh, the picture is that there needs to be a daily cleansing, a daily sanctification uh, uh, of, our, of our lives because we get dirty and we are dirty in this world. And, and so... so so here, so if you would, just turn over to me, with me to Ephesians chapter 5, a better picture, another picture of our sanctification. Here he's talking about the, the, the marriage and Christ and the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that what he might sanctify it, and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Jesus is sanctifying, washing, cleansing through the word of God, through the truth. Uh, uh, he, uh, 
each one of us individually and all of us as, as Christians. Uh, so, the, so justification is the fact that I have been cleansed once and I stand justified. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, bore my sins. Uh, this idea that his, his, his sin, my sins were taken in place upon him. His righteousness was then taken in place upon us. God looks at me and doesn't see my sin, doesn't see uh, my sin nature, doesn't see the flesh or any of those things. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But there's a daily act of sanctification that takes place through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. This idea of it dwelling in us, it's, it's, it's abiding in us, it's, it's, it's making a change within us. Uh, when, I, when I moved into my, my home, uh, there was no furniture, there was, no, there was nothing in the cupboards, it was just an empty house. Uh, and uh, when we moved in, we put in our furniture, my wife hung up curtains, and then I refixed the curtains, and now there are holes in the walls. But that, you know what that does? It shows you the house is lived in. Our, our clothes are in the closet. Uh, uh, right now there are two cats and a dog running around in there. Why? Because we abide there. We dwell there. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it change you from the in, on the inside uh, through the Holy Spirit. Uh, 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 what's, it, the next, what's the other verse? Um, Ephesians 5, 5.18 talks about the, letting, the, the word of, or letting the Holy Spirit uh, yielding yourselves and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, these two work in tandem. Right? The Spirit of God and the Word of God cleanse us and they change us through the grace of God. That is sanctification. He's, he's praying for our sanctification. What does that mean? How can I be sanctified? Read your Bible, pray every day. Remember the song? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Right, Hannah? Yep. Uh, used to make the kids sing that at the house. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 simple. It's 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 yielding yourself to the Word of God, yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit, and allowing God to sanctify you through the through the truth. Uh, John fifteen, abide in the Word, and the Word abides in me. It, it's it, we've been talking about this for weeks, and it, it's it should be so simple, but yet we make it so difficult because we still have this flesh. But Jesus is praying. For your sanctification. Can I tell you that should bring you joy? Because God sees the struggle. Jesus sees the struggle. He knows, uh, he knows that in and of ourselves, we cannot change and change for the good. We may be able to change our outward actions. We may be able to change our habits. Uh, but we cannot change on the inside. Jesus knows that we need his help. So the Bible says he intercedes for us. He's, he was praying here on behalf of the, the apostles. Can I tell you, he continues. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying for us even now, today. He prayed for their sanctification. And then lastly, he prays for their saturation. Verse 18. It's a bit of a stretch for that one. but As thou hast sent me into the world... Even so have I also sent them into the world. 
In his prayer to the Father, as he's talked to the Father, he, he, he talks to them just like you sent me, Father, uh, to this world. And listen, why, how was he sent to the world? He was sent through love and compassion. Uh, it was pre-planned. There was a motivation. There was a, a reason why Jesus came to this earth. He set aside his glory. He came to this earth to humble himself, to, not to heal, not to teach, uh, to, to do the work of the Father and to finish that work. And he was going to finish it uh, in the next couple of chapters of John uh, when he died on the cross and says, it's finished. Guess what? That work that particular work was finished. Uh, listen, uh, he, he was the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The Son sent us to be ambassadors for Christ, witnesses of the gospel. Uh, he has sent each and every one of us to be that here in this world. We are to be separate, we're to be different, but he's given us uh, a, a job to do. We can find it in Matthew chapter, or Matthew chapter 28 where he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to, to every creature. In Acts chapter 1, uh, we're, we're to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, we're to go and to tell others about Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 talks about how we're the, the, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Uh, can, I, can I tell you, that is what we are supposed to be as children of God. We're to saturate this world with light. We're to saturate this world with, a, with, with, with salt that others might see the glory of God, that they might see Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't need any help to do that because when Jesus came to this earth, he glorified the Father. He, he manifested uh, the name. We talked about that this morning. He, he, uh, he manifested those, those attributes, and, and they saw the power. They heard the word, and, and they, they trusted. They believed. Uh, they believed in the words. They knew that he came from the Father. And, and, and as, as Peter said it best, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But just like God sent the Father sent Jesus, he sent us. And he sent us with a mission. Say, well, you know, I'm not called to be a pastor. I didn't say you were. I'm not called to be a, a missionary. I didn't say you were. But you are called to be an ambassador for Christ. We all were. Second Corinthians 5.20 tells us that we're to be ambassadors for Christ, that we might reconcile people unto God. We're, we're, we're to go and bring the truth of the gospel to the world. Listen, you may not be some missionary to go to Africa or some other uh, place. You may never be persecuted for it, but you have been called to tell others about Jesus Christ. You say, but, but, I, but I, I work at the state. I'm a geologist. No, you're an ambassador disguised as, as a geologist, Brother Troy. No matter what your job, no matter what your title, no matter where you go, no matter how old you are, if you're a child of God, you've been given the, 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 uh, the mission to tell other people about Christ. That you might glorify the Father. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 5, that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We need to, make a, we need to, to, to be able to make a difference and know that Jesus Christ is interceding for us. And, and God the Father wants to give you the Holy Spirit so that you can go and, 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 and listen, we, he indwells us, but he, he wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that, so that we can then go and, and preach the gospel. That's why he told the apostles to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came. He prays for us so that we can be satisfied. He prays for us so we can be secure. He prays for us. So we can be separated, sanctified, 
and saturated into this world, but not of this world. I don't know about you, but knowing that God prayed for us, and we read the verse, it says, verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. He was praying in John 17 for you. So well, I never talked to any of those guys. No, but you read some of the words. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. Jesus Christ prayed for you, and he continues to pray for you. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Even now. Praying to keep you separate from the world. Praying to keep you from the evil one. He does that having been tempted by the evil one himself. He knows our infirmities. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our struggles. Which only makes the fact that he's praying for us that much better. Because as our high priest, because as he does that as our high priest, he has a, great, he has a greater effect. And if anybody can get the ear of the Father, it's going to be Jesus. I'd encourage you this week just to take a look at yourself and know that Jesus is praying, praying for you. Again, it goes back to the, the verse we ended with this morning, but are you glorifying the, the Son like he glorified the Father? Jesus said the disciples were going to glorify him. No, I find, I find peace in this. Turn, turn back, we're still in John 17, but turn back and look at, look at that verse again. Verse 10 says, and all are mine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Can I tell you, we belong to Christ, we belong to the Father, and he should be glorified in us. Now he's talking about the, 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 the 11 apostles, but before they really did anything all that great. He was talking about the apostles before Peter denied him three times. He was talking about the apostles before they all ran away in Gethsemane. He was talking about the apostles before the worst mistakes, before they, before they made the biggest mistake of their, of their ministry. It gives me hope that I might be able to glorify him now. And we should be able to glorify him now through his grace. Go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would just bless us, help us, Lord. I'm thankful to know that, that Christ is interceding on our behalf, Lord. And As we looked at this and saw how he was praying for us, uh, the disciples, Lord, I pray that you would just remind us, Lord, that he's continuing to pray for us. Lord, we need your help. Lord, we, we need your strength, Lord, in this world. Satan is trying to, 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 to get us off track and, and in sin, Lord, he's tempting us and trying us and Lord, I pray that you give us strength. Lord, uh, in this, this day and age, Lord, that we're, they're facing with, with all the mess that's going on with, with COVID and the, the politics. And, and Lord, I, just, I pray that you would guide us. Lord, give us wisdom and strength that we could live in this world as salt and light. Lord, that we could be what you call us to be, Lord. That we would be in this world, but Lord, we're not of this world. We're of Christ. Help us not to be conformed 
to it, but help us be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the word of God. Sanctify us, Lord. Make us more and more like Jesus Christ. May we glorify you. May we glorify, uh, may we glorify uh, the Father and the Son, Lord, as, as others see the characteristics of Jesus come out in our lives. Help us to, to not just pretend or, or put on a facade of, of being a Christian, but help us to, to walk in those steps, Lord. Be filled with the Spirit, Lord, fruitful. Uh, Lord, not just not only in the Holy Spirit, but in that fruit that abides forever. Lord, as, souls, as we see souls saved and, and as, as you work in us, help us, Lord, to, to bring honor and glory to your name. We thank you, Father, for all that you do. Lord, we ask that you would bless, uh, watch us and keep us throughout this week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.